Welcome to the Beers and Ears podcast. Here are your hosts, Casey Woolley and Matthew Brown. Do it. We met at the Disney store. Welcome to what this podcast is going to be. This is me just <laughs> going, Casey, oh my goodness. I know, right? So. Along. Um, I was a very scared child and especially scared of the dark. So nothing's changed. So you're almost like late to the game from a, what a lot of like Disney people, I think. Yeah, so we're going to do some um, interesting segments, one of them being a first-time viewership. All of this was hand-drawn animation that had to be inserted onto the live-action footage. Then we're going to have a very fun segment called Convince Me. Yes, I'm excited about this one. Splash Mountain is the number one ride at Magic Kingdom. I'm still working on my Mickey Mouse voice. <laughs> there you go. Hey, you know what? It's Oh, boy. There we go. <laughs> the second installment of the Diz Games Challenge. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Let's try that again. And new episodes every Tuesday and Friday, so keep checking back. If you want to email us, beersandears1928 at gmail.com. Facebook group, Beers and Ears Podcast. And on Twitter and Instagram, at beersandears1928. Putting out a lot of fun content on there. Rate and review us. Five stars, five stars. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Beers and Ears podcast. I am Matt. And I am Casey. Welcome in, everybody. So we are heading back to the parks. We got another attraction spotlight for you. And we are going to a galaxy far, far away and looking at one of the classic Star Wars attractions, Star Tours. Actually, I have to correct you there, Matt. This is our first attraction spotlight. We're actually, we are are spotlighting two different attractions because technically Star Tours and Star Tours The Adventure Continues are actually two different attractions. Yeah, this uh, ride opened in Disneyland in 1987 and Disney World in 1989. Mm -hmm. And it was originally just um, Star Tours. And there was only one, it was it was not what it was today. It was just like one mission. Like it was themed on one thing. And it, it was, if you've been on Star Tours, the adventure continues. It is it similar to, to what you would have experienced on the original ride. But like you said, you had one movie, it was a motion simulator. And you, if you guys have been to uh, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, and have had a chance to experience DJ Rex or have seen DJ yeah. Rex the Funko. Rex uh, was the original pilot of the Star Transport. And uh, strangely enough, he is actually voiced by Paul Rubens, otherwise known as Pee Wee Herman. Did you know that? I know you are, but what am I? Yeah, absolutely. Oh man, voice acting. I know everything about that. Yes, Paul <laughs> yep. uh, so I got to back up here. I, I have a great story of how this ride came about. Mm -hmm. So um, we're looking at Tony Baxter again was one of the minds behind this. So we've talked about him on Splash Mountain. We've talked about him uh, in countless other rides. So um, at the time of this uh ride being created eisner eisner had just taken over and one of his big things with the parks is that he came in and his teenage son breck 
was kind of like, this is dumb. This is for kids. This is not for teens. And so Eisner really, really wanted to make the parks more teen friendly. So the, the biggest example of this is um, the uh, alien encounter extraterrestrial where that ride and experience was scary. It was up in the ante. That was not for kids. And so um, I was listening to a podcast where they were interviewing Tony Baxter. And so what Eisner would do is when he was coming to listen to theme park rides and pitches, he would bring his son Breck along with him. And so Tony Baxter said, pretty much the fate of this ride was whether I could convince a 14-year-old boy whether this ride was really cool. (laughs) Well, you know, it's funny. I've actually heard this story before. You know where I've heard this story before? Where's that? The Imagineering documentary on Disney+. Plus. (laughs) <laughs> just just so you know i mean it's a, it is a very fun story but actually there is a part in the imaginary story where they talk about that believe it or not i just think that's wild that like, i think that... so too i think it's hilarious that a 14 year old kid is telling this like famed imagineer you know this is what i think is cool and what is not he's taking marching orders from a 14 year old right i just I think everyone's everyone's worst nightmare is that they have to convince a 14 year old that like their their idea is good <laughs> Now, I have a fun story I have to tell real quick. It's not really, it's not a long story, but it's a fun story. So the the original incarnation of this attraction closed on August 14th, 2010. Why is that important? Well, because my first trip to Walt Disney World took place from August 10th, 2010 to August 13th, 2010. I was down at Walt Disney World the day before this attraction was set to expire. Did you Uh, ride this attraction? I did. I did. We rode this attraction. Uh, It didn't have the crazy hubbubaloo, I think that's how you say that, that you would have had the last day that it was going on. We were there, I want to say it was like... uh, two days before the 12th or something like that. And so we had a chance to write it. But I remember when we were down there, they had posters and pictures and giant marketing everywhere. uh, You know, uh, that was talking about, this is the last tour to indoor last one. Make sure you're here. Epic event. Start. I mean, it was all over the place. It was being advertised at Hollywood studios at the time. Um, but yeah, I did write it. It was an interesting ride. I remember Rex being in there and I remember all that. And I remember how cool it was that we were going to get to experience this one. And then at some point come back and experience the new one. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I just thought that was really interesting. Cause that was my very first trip to Disney world, which took place the day before this last ride took, uh, took its last tour. What crazy timing. Like, had you, like, delayed it by three or four days, you would have totally missed it and never seen this ride in its original incarnation. That's wild. Yeah. And, you know, what's really interesting, too, about this ride is that at Walt Disney World, it it, it does seem to fit in Hollywood Studios. It had that mystique of being a Hollywood backstage, you know, ride the movies kind of thing. I have a feeling the reason why it was put there in, in a lot of ways was because they were trying to compete with uh, with Universal Studios, which which their tagline at the time was ride the movies at Disneyland. I just I don't feel that. Well, now it fits because it's I think it's backed right up to Star Wars land. But when it was first put in, um, it felt out of place. It was well, in Tomorrowland. 
Yeah, Tomorrowland over there, every podcast I listen to and every person that's a Disneyland person I talk to, Tomorrowland is in a very dire need of an update. And it mm-hmm. was before Galaxy's Edge came. And, and yeah, it felt very kind of shoehorned in. And Tomorrowland just was kind of this barren wasteland of stuff that, okay, Star Tours was there and Space Mountain was there, but hey, yep. Here's one of the reasons why I like this attraction, both the original incarnation and, and we'll get into maybe the mechanics of the new one here in a minute, but this is one of those attractions that I like to refer to as old reliable, meaning it barely ever breaks down, knock on wood, and the wait is barely ever any longer than 45 minutes. It, 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 even then, sometimes it's walk-on. Like, like you don't really have to fast pass this thing because you can get on it. It, it loads super fast, and the queue is not interactive, but it's all-encompassing. You get to see C-3PO. You get to see R2-D2. They have enough going on that as you're standing there for 45 minutes, you're not seeing the same loop every five minutes. There is enough engagement in the queue, especially as you get up and around, you know, past C-3PO, where you kind of get into that area where the luggage is being scanned and you can kind of see yeah. all the different stuff in the luggage. And, and and it really is a lot of fun and engaging. They've done a great job as you wait for for the actual ride itself. Well, and, and this is what I love about this ride is it, it the story of it sets up so well because it's not just a ride the movie. It is the original incarnation was, all right, you know, it is a company that is trying to profit off of the moon of Endor being uh, this spot of this epic last battle. And so we're going to now offer tours to there. And even now it's in its, the adventure continues in its current in- incarnation, it's pretty much like an airport. You're pretty much in an airport where it's like, all right, well, where are you, where are you going to go loading here? And this is, mm-hmm. you've got the, the big panel with that has where these flights are coming to and are they on time? Are they delayed? And what's, what gate are they at? And then it goes into the other language and it, it's, it's so well done from a story perspective. And you're right. The wait time is never, I wrote it four times, walked on it every time. Last time I was down in the parks. And there's actually one of the things I love that the Imagineers do is they pack a lot of um, Easter eggs um, into some of their rides. And there's actually a bunch of, of Easter eggs that are packed onto this ride. Um, A couple that I think are really just fun to, um, to kind of, to call out. There's a point where when they're paging different passengers, they page, I'm going to butcher this, but it's Egroge Sickle. Egroge Sickle, which is an anagram for George Lucas. Yeah. And they also page um, license plate number THX 1138, which is uh, a reference to, again, THX, the sound studio, and 1138, referencing George Lucas's very first film. They also, you'll see when you're going through that luggage scene, if you watch the luggage getting scanned, you'll see a a pair of Mickey ears every once in a while come through there which I think is just hilarious. And then here's the fun thing. Given the news that we've heard in the last couple of months about Splash Mountain, there are two droids, G29T and G24T, that have been referred to as goose droids. And now you're probably asking yourself why. Well, these droids are, they have robotic web feet and tails. That is because... 
they are the actual animatronics of two of the birds originally from America Sings, which was a lot of those uh, animatronics were reused in Splash Mountain. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's one of those things if you're not. It's if, if it's one of those things if you're not looking for it, you wouldn't realize it. But then when you do kind of take a closer look, it um, it does become like, oh, this is really cool. I really enjoy this. Um, and 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 yeah, yeah. It's it, the the cue of this ride is amazing. And that's uh, honestly what always does it for rides for me is when not just the ride is amazing. But my experience the second I step in line is also amazing. And speaking of that, another thing to th- think about think about here too is if you do decide to fast pass this, one of my biggest complaints about fast passes is that oftentimes they bypass good chunks of the queue. Oh no, not this one. When you fast pass this ride, you bypass outside but you get the inside experience hundred percent. You are walking right alongside everybody else who's in standby. So you can stop and slow down if you want to take in for a couple of moments, if you'd like, and then continue on along. You don't bypass anything about the attraction on the inside, the queue at all. You're right there alongside everybody else. Yeah. And then, so at this point, you know, they closed it down and then redid it to do the adventure continues. And to me, this is where the rewritability of it skyrocketed. Mm, yep. Because now you randomized what planets you would go to. And so yep. pretty much no two rides are the same. Well, <laughs> they're not supposed to be, but it almost always seemed like I got the damn pod racer. Always. Like, I always got the damn pod race. I don't know what it was, but, like, the three t- first three times I rode the new one, I was always in the pod race. And I don't, again, the pod race is fun, but I'd like something else. I, I, I Like, I'd like, you know, I love the, um, I do like the element of the Rebel Spy, though. I think that oh. is awesome, where they, you know, they pick a random person in, in the ship, and they, they, you know, this is the person we're looking for. And they even sell the merch. I am the Rebel Spy, you know, like... Talk about it, it genius marketing and merchandising play on Disney's part, you know? Oh, it, that's wonderful. And what a great touch. Really, to be honest with you, a nothing thing. Like such an easy thing to put in there that mm-hmm. makes somebody's day. I can't tell you the amount of kids that I have seen come off that ride that are just beaming because they were chosen for the rebel spine. I'm like, that's what this is about. That's what yeah. this vacation is about. That's awesome. I, I love that that kid now has that experience. I know is going to go home and be like, I was the rebel spy. That's so cool. Yeah. Um, so what a great, like just, you, they didn't have to do that. This could have been a great ride. It would have been a perfect ride without that, but it yep. just makes it even, even better. Well, and, and I also want to think, I think it's important to point out too that, you know, this ride debuted in 87 and 89, respectively, in the two different parks long, long before Disney ever owned Star Wars. And has that means Disney and Lucasfilm have had a relationship for decades prior to Disney making the purchase of Star Wars in 2012 is what it was. And for people who criticize the move of Disney buying Lucasfilm, all you got to do is look at the, look at this relationship and realize that their relationship goes back for decades in that the two, they're, they're two great companies that told two great 
stories that finally merge together to bring the power of the, the almighty dollar really to make the stories even better. And, and this is one of those rides that is going to be evergreen going forward. You know, we're past the Skywalker saga now, you know, we're nine movies it's over with. Now there's some prequels that are coming out. They're going to be able to use this ride to establish motion simulation and other things for any movies that come out from this point forward, prequels or otherwise. And, all they've got to do is insert the new motion capture elements into it. They have made it evergreen in that way. Well, and but also that it can feel new. I mean, the last time that I was there, one of my rides, I ended on Batu, And mm-hmm. I was like, this is awesome. I'm so excited that I, I ended my ride in Batu. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. And, and this really was the catalyst for some of the experiences you get in galaxy's edge, like millennium, millennium Falcon smugglers run. It is basically star tours on steroids. I know you haven't experienced it yet, but it is star tours on steroids and rise of the resistance is millennium Falcon smugglers run like times a hundred million. So you're, 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 they've built on this technology yet star tours. Every time I go in there and you buckle up and you sit down, it, it, it's just a fun ride. Like, and they've, and they've planned it out so perfectly. You know, we, we talked, we talked about in our, our last episode or one of the episodes we recorded tonight, the, the one uh, on, on frozen two, we were talking about um, how like with Ariel and little mermaid, um, how the little mermaid ride was just a rehashing of the little mermaid story. This is not that they, they have done a great job of continuing the story that you are a, a, a member of the galaxy. You're taking a store, a, a tour uh, to a safe place, but your, your cab gets hijacked by you know, Darth Vader or Kylo Ren or whoever it is that hijacks it. Right. And, and suddenly you're put onto a different course and suddenly you're thrust into another element of one of these stories, but they do such a great job. Like as you're waiting in line and um, they're telling you about how to buckle your seatbelt up and you got Chewbacca there and you've got different aliens positioned in between the people. Please pay attention to the following safety information. When the automatic doors have opened, please proceed directly across the ramp into the cabin. Continue to move all the way across your aisle, kneeling in every available seat. Galactic regulations require that all carry-on items be safely stored beneath your seats. To fasten your restraint, use the yellow strap. Like that, that whole TV element. Like it's just, it's so... Well done. And I will say this is also an experience that can be enhanced by the right cast member. Yeah. So um, when I went on it uh, four times last time I went, there were two <laughs> times that I got this one cast member. I wish I had gotten her name. I am, I'm kicking myself that I did not like, because th- this is a personal rant, but when people do something well, I like to tell their bosses that they did something well. And I'm kicking myself for not telling this, this person's boss that, um, that she did such a great job. But her whole spiel before like getting the seatbelts did not take you out of it. Cause that's often what takes you out of the story is, all right, we have to do these safety checks. We have to do all this other stuff. And she kept you right in the story and it was awesome. Whereas then, then another time I went on and the cast member was not doing a bad job, but didn't commit to keeping me in the story. And it definitely made my experience just a little bit less fun. 
and that and that's true no matter where you i mean the the cast member is ultimately going to make or break the experience i would even add a third element they're going to make the experience they're going to add or neither add nor take away from the experience or they're going to break the experience it's very few and far between that you have cast members that break the experience but yeah you will get those cast members who they just they're they don't have that extra touch of disney magic and and it absolutely stinks when you get those cast members but it makes those times that you when you do get the ones who go extra out of their way it just makes that extra special right and and you're right when you you know i and i've had that experience at various different attractions and restaurants and stuff but if you get the one who really is into it and and i would hope that those are the ones that are like cast at galaxy's edge or on pandora the world of avatar the ones where you're supposed to be truly immersed into it um because they're the ones who can really make or break it for you and let me say this in defense of cast members because cast members are real people and i remember there were times that i was at work at the disney store and I was not as magical. (gasps) No. (laughs) Because, I mean, life happens. You have a bad day. You you didn't get enough sleep last night. There's a thousand factors that come with it. And just, it it happens. So I I, I don't mean to like say... I know you don't either that, you know, all cast members. Oh, that no, not at all. Experience are bad. But and, and, and so that is something, though, listeners and our, our beers and nerds family to recognize that. Remember, these are real people. And um, while I do think that you can, you know, decide to I'm going to be magical and make this a great experience to the people around me. There's sometimes where life circumstances just take over and it's hard to do. Well, and, you know, again, off topic, but at the end of the day, if you walk into to Disney World or Disneyland and you have the most unrealistic expectations of the cast members, you're going to be disappointed because no matter what they do, no matter how they try to service you or be magical, it's never going to hit the level of expectation that you have. Let's, I mean, let's just be real because people walk in. I, I, I've heard guests who literally will sit there and complain and moan to a cast member because it's raining outside. They're you don't have control over the rain, right? Uh, you know, we used to get that at the Disney store too, you know, where people would complain about things that were completely out of control. The registers are slow or we can't accept a gift card here. Or, you know, again, completely out of our control, had no control over it yet. Somehow it's our fault. Now we do our best to, to or did our best to service the, the guest, but at the end of the day, you got to go in with realistic expectations. Cause like you said, they are people, they are humans, but back to star war, back to star tours and, and stuff in general, Generally speaking, I, I don't know what the exact count is. There's a rotation of, I want to say it's like a, you know, five or six or even a, maybe even more, a dozen different possibilities that you can get. Like everybody gets queued up with the same scene. Like the first two minutes or whatever is the same for everybody. But then based on where the story takes you, you're either pod racing or you're going through uh, indoor or you're, uh, if there's a new movie out, sometimes it is, it's, it's, it's based around the new movie or when galaxy's edge uh, came out, you were, you were then put onto the two there, you know, they, they, they'll, they'll, they'll showcase. I think even when, um, when rogue one came out, I think there was even one for that. Wasn't there? I think there was. Cause they, the um, scarif, Right, Scarif. Yeah, it was Scarif. Uh, no, no, Scarif is uh, Scarif was uh, Last Jedi, wasn't it? Uh, that, yeah, that was Last Jedi. Oh, I'm totally blank on it. Whatever that planet is that the the last uh, 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 battle is on. Yeah, yeah, um, Scarif. Because there is one for Scarif too with the red, the red sand. That there was that one too. I remember yeah, that. That's a fun one. Um, there's also some prequel ones in there too. There's some yeah, there's yeah. some prequel ones in there. 
So I did a little bit of research where you were talking. Uh, 54 different combinations oh, you could have. My bad. My bad. Yet I somehow got the pod racer three different times. <laughs> and, and last time I went, I didn't get the pod racer. So I, I, they, they must they must look at you and they and, and there's a conspiracy <laughs> that they go, oh, Casey, okay. All right. Cue up, cue up the pod racer one, guys. Mm-hmm. So – and then, of course, you get done. And if you were the Rebel Spy, there's the, you know, but you get, and again, Disney does this well, but I think this is, you get dumped into one of the coolest gift shops, I think, too. Yeah. That, that Star Wars gift shop at the end right there, where they call it something Traders or Moon, 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 Lunar Traders or something. I don't know. But you get jumped in there. And that was the only Star Wars shop on property for the longest time too so that was a hot destination for a lot of people but you can build your own lightsaber in there um they got action figures in there shirts in there it is 100 star wars related as you're walking down that ramp and what's cool is that now that galaxy's edge is up you don't find galaxy's edge merchandise in there you find the world of star wars in there just like you won't find world of star wars stuff in galaxy's edge galaxy's edge but two is a completely different home planet. So you're, the world of Star Wars does not exist in the world of Batu. Last time I was there, I um, got a, um, a matchbox type car of the ride vehicle that we're apparently in for mm-hmm. Star Wars. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, so it's, I got it for like six bucks. It was like really cheap, to be honest with you. Yeah, that was so expensive. So I bought that ride vehicle because I love the park exclusive ride vehicle. And I went around then to other shops and went, why is this not at every attraction? Why can I not buy a little ride vehicle? Why can I not buy a little doom buggy? Why can I not buy a little splash mountain log? <laughs> like a little collection. That'd be hilarious. Yeah. I mean, that'd be I like, would totally buy that. Yeah. Cause they sell like the monorail. They sell the Disney bus. Yeah. That, that would make total sense. A little hot wheel or matchbox or whatever. And I'm sure like car collecting is, yeah. Um, is a big thing. And I'm sure the parks collectors would go gaga over any ride vehicle. The little wishables that they've come out with. They had a set of four ride vehicles with that. Like, I, I would, I, I have been thinking about getting those when I see them, but they're blind. And yeah, I so I just want the ride vehicle. I don't want the other characters. And exactly. so um, like, that's my problem with any blind box stuff is I'm like, man, I really don't want, the rest of them i just want that one <laughs> i actually have three of those wishables not the not the, i have two from pandora i'm looking at right now and i actually have a um a hitchhiking ghost actually oh, cool. <laughs> yeah i don't know i don't I, I bought them on shop disney during quarantine and they were not blind they were just the actual one well one of them was blind but yeah they're pretty cool the wishables are cute actually and they're actually for like eight bucks a piece or whatever they're not a bad price so no they're not too bad it's just no. it's the it's the um it's the mystery the mystery black hole. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Anything else you want to add about star tours or star tours? The adventure continues before we close out the show. I think this is a perfect ride. I have nothing bad to say about this ride. There's, there's nothing wrong with this ride. And like you said, y- y- they have made it so they can just add in scenes and it keeps making it new. They don't have to do anything to this. Yeah, I agree. I, 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 I don't know if, I mean, I guess in terms of there is not a whole lot wrong with it. You're right. It's a perfect ride. It's a ride that I ride every time. No, but it's an old reliable ride. If I need something to do while I'm waiting for something else, a fast pass to open up at Hollywood studios, I will ride this ride. Um, Again, it's old reliable. It's, it's barely ever a long wait. I will not wait in line longer than 45 minutes for this ride, but 
all you got to do is just go do something else for an hour and come back. And usually it's the wait times reduced. Well, and it's um, indoors. And yeah. so if it rains, it's not affected by that. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And by the way, walking through the ADAT's uh, legs is kind of cool too. Yeah. Like, that's fun to the print of the ADAT and stuff. That's a really fun experience. And you can know if it's going to be a really long wait based upon just, you can actually, without even looking at the time, you can just look at the queue and how much of it is filled outside. Because if there's a lot of people queued up outside, they've got all the chains and stuff up. But if you can, sometimes you can walk right in at the same entry point that the fast pass people walk in at. And oftentimes you're literally parallel to them. Now they'll usually get past you as you get into the ride, but you can get almost, I've gotten to the point to where I've gotten up all the way around uh, C3, all the way around like the ride vehicle around the TV up by C3PO. And then it kind of hooks to the left. And then you see the luggage scan and then it hooks back to the right, right about there as you're going up the ramp. I've gotten to there on standby at the same time as fast pass people. And then they move on past me, but that's a pretty good spot. Cause you're not too far removed at that point. You're only maybe 10 or 15, 10 minutes away from getting getting to where you're going to get sat on one of the vehicles. So, you know, you can really pay attention just to what's going on with the queue outside and know whether you can get in pretty quick. Yeah, absolutely. I agree completely. Did I ever tell you the story real quick? I gotta tell you this fun story. So um, when I was there in 2017, uh, I was there by myself. I took my alone trip and um, uh, no, I'm sorry, not 2017. I take that back. Rewind. This was uh, 2019 when I went with my family. So we went, um, we had a great time. Their flight was leaving earlier than mine. So I was, I actually had a half a day scheduled in the parks before I had to leave for my flight. So they left. I said goodbye, hugged them. They went to the airport. I had a fast pass that morning for flight of passage. So Mm -hmm. I went over to flight of passage and rode flight of passage. And I did the single ride line for Kilimanjaro, or for uh, Kilimanjaro's, no, not Kilimanjaro safaris, uh, Expedition Everest. And I still had like two and a half hours to kill. And I'm like, I really don't want to spend the rest of my day in Animal Kingdom. So I'm on my Disney experience and I flip through and I am able to, I get a fast pass real quick for Star Tours within the hour. And I'm like, okay, cool. Hopped a bus, went over to Star, went over to, um, went over to Hollywood Studios. I had a little bit of time to kill. I was hungry. So I ate some food there at the Hollywood back lot there. And then I hopped into Star Tours on my Fast Pass. Scanned my Fast Pass. I'm like, I still got about an hour and a half to kill. So I'm waiting in line as I'm in my Fast Pass and I'm scrolling through my Disney experience again. Now, mind you, this was like six months after um, Slinky Dog Dash had opened. None of us had had a chance to experience the lines were three hours long. I'm in line for star tours, looking at fast passes for one person. And what pops up slinky dog dash in 20 minutes. (laughs) So I ride star tours. I nab it. I ride star tours knowing that the next stop I got, the last ride I'm going to get to ride on this Disney trip is slinky dog dash before I head back to the hotel. Oh my God. It was like euphoria, man. Seriously. And by the way, that ride, have you read that one yet? Rode that one yet? I have. Yeah. Oh, it is. I would argue it is for like that medium level roller coaster that I would classify like big thunder and, and seven dwarfs mind train. Um, uh, 
even Space Mountain to some degree. I think it's better than any of those. I think Slinky Ooh, Dog man. Dash. Ooh. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm seeing our next attraction spotlight. <laughs> oh, Slinky Dog Dash is so good, man. So, okay. It is closing time. How do they get a hold of us? You can email us, beersandears1928 at gmail.com. Our Facebook group, Beers and Ears Podcast. We have lots of fun there, lots of fun articles and questions and things like that that we share there. Uh, Twitter and Instagram, Beers Ears 1928. Uh, hop on there. We got a small but active community on those platforms. Um, as always, please take the time to rate and review us. Five stars, five stars. It, it really does help us out if you uh, rate us and review us. And it takes no time at all. And new episodes every Tuesday and Friday. All right, my friends, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. We really hope you've enjoyed this attraction spotlight of Star Tours. We're going to go ahead and raise our glass. This episode has been on us, and we will see you again real soon. Sorry, folks. I'm sure to do better next time. It was my first flight, and I'm still getting used to my programming. Hey! Hey! (laughs) 